Hey y'all, it's Dr. Kylie with the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast and it is 2023. Where has the time gone? We began this in 2020. Would have never known what I would be doing now and what information would be out there about our health. I am so glad that you have taken the time to learn about your health and what you can do to be in charge of it and to be in control of it and to learn about your blood work, what your blood work really says right here on this podcast. In fact, if you could do me a big favor, I would be so grateful if you could leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, take a screenshot picture of it, send it to my team. We'll get you something good just for doing that. If you are a practitioner and you don't have a thriving virtual practice, you need one. That's what In This Together Live is all about. It's happening in February 20th, 21st, and 22nd in Orlando, Florida. Yes, this is an in-person event where I get to meet you and hug you and help you grow the practice of your dreams so you can have more time, locate more freedom of time, location freedom, and financial freedom. But now is the time to do it. You've got to have a thriving virtual practice. The doors are wide open. And who knows what's going to be available in two years. So let's get this done now. Let's build you a thriving virtual practice in just two days. Come join me and other world-class experts in Orlando, Florida at the Wyndham Grand Resort on February 20th, 21st, and 22nd this month. Well, this year. So next month, grab your ticket at drkylieburton.com slash in-this-together-live. It's got all the details and there are only 200 seats available. So grab yours before it fills up. I guarantee it's going to fill up. And I also guarantee you ain't going to want to miss this. It's going to be the thing that blows up your practice so you can help more people while saving your time, saving your energy and having more impact. And who doesn't want to meet in person nowadays? I need to meet you and I need to give you the biggest hug and tell you, you got this. You are a genius. Let's just get more people knowing that your geniusness exists. And I'll see you in Florida next month. Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, your host, Dr. Kylie. We have a returning guest today because he talks about something that is unique and a must a must listen to. Ben is with Neuroplasticity. He's going to teach us about neuroplasticity, which what what that means is that we can rewire our brains. Um, Ben, welcome on. Yeah, thanks so much, Dr. Burton. Uh, Yeah, really happy to be here a second time and looking forward to, you know, sharing what neuroplasticity is and how people can actually apply this to ultimately reclaim their health by rewiring their brains. Yeah. And I remember in our first episode together, you told a lot more about your story and how it, you just like lost all your health at what, 26? I remember yep. right? Yeah. Completely pulling it off the top of my head. And and as you learned how to heal yourself, I mean, now you're vibrant. How old are you? Uh, 38. I had to think. 38. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is over 10 years ago. You've learned to heal in so many modalities. And neuroplasticity was a big one for you, rewiring that brain. Yes. Um, so if you find someone you know, sitting in your shoes 10 years ago, who has their health just gone, disappeared Mm -hmm. and give them some pointers and maybe offer some hope. 
real quick? Yeah. yeah. So just to really quickly recap, um, when I was in my mid twenties, I went from being a healthy, vibrant, uh, person working actually in the health and fitness industry to really losing my health kind of overnight turned out to be a, a late stage neurologic Lyme disease, you know, compounded with a bunch of other things. But, um, suffice it to say my condition was really bad. Um, I had, uh, brain scans and, um, spinal taps done via NYU Lingo and medical that saw some of the, the highest titers, let's say antibodies to, to Lyme disease that they had ever seen, um, brain lesions in the frontal cortex and bone on bone arthritis. So it was taking its toll neurologically, cognitively, physically, my body was, you know, accruing <laughs> visible or measurable damage. And a lot of these things were said to be irreparable. So um, this ultimately landed me in bed for three years, during which time I had a lot of time to uh, <laughs> commiserate and to listen to podcasts and um, you know start to learn about what is it that makes it so some people respond in this type of way when met with a chronic conditions, while other people might get something like Lyme or a cold or flu and, and kind of get over it really quickly. And it seemed to be that this missing component in the mainstream understanding was the role of the brain in, in chronic illness that, you know, we know why we get sick generally, especially in the case of something like a, you know, to talk about current event, um, you know, COVID, we know that it's caused by this viral infection, but when symptoms persist beyond a certain point, beyond that infection has run its course, um, and people find themselves uh, you know, feeling symptomatic for weeks or months or even years afterward, that's a new question. Now we have to ask, okay, what's keeping the symptoms there and preventing the body from fully healing? So in, in this day and age, unfortunately, many people are experiencing themselves with this type of, whether it's post-viral fatigue or chronic fatigue or burnout and anxiety or long COVID. Um, I would certainly say, number one, if you're in that position, I know what it feels like to feel stuck, to lose hope, to go down a lot of avenues and not find sufficient answers. And so the number one thing I would say is that um, to understand that actually, even though you might feel stuck, everything in your brain and body are actually in a constant state of change. And now with the advent of things like fMRIs and more neuroscience coming about and uh, you know, doctors and scientists just having a better understanding of, um, you know, these conditions and the learned or neurologically learned component, there is plentiful reason to be hopeful out there. There's so much that can be done to ultimately retrain your brain and body's response to um, these past infections or what might even be current effect infections. Um, and we now know not only, you know, how to do that, but how to apply some of these what's called self-directed neuroplasticity exercises in ways that can lead to and have, have really shown to lead to long-term um, alleviation of, of symptoms and ultimately healing. So, you're, I love the way you described that. That was brilliant. Taking someone who's had COVID and, you know, their tests come back negative, they should feel better, but they don't. Right. I've heard so many instances of fatigue. I've heard so many instances of like heart palpitations or other weird things coming up. So if you know somebody, if this is you, stay tuned because Ben's going to walk us through how we can start to change or rewire our brain so that our body doesn't respond in this way anymore. Right? Absolutely. Did I make a fair statement? Yeah, yeah. 
So let's maybe first start off with what do we know about the brain and the brain's role in these sort of chronic conditions? And I'll just caveat that, you know, this by saying that there's a lot of research being done in this area um, and more needs to be done in the way of clinical studies and clinical trials. So we have that actual, you know, um, clinical data. Um, but there's research dating back to the 1970s. In 1972, there was a, a scientific paper published in a peer-reviewed journal um, titled Conditioned Immune Suppression. And in this paper, they talked about an experiment that was done whereby they uh, gave rats an injection of a certain virus combined with the dextrose solution, so sugar water. They did this several times over and over. And as you would suspect, each time these rats had a certain immune reaction to it. Now, once that phase was complete, what's called acquisition, they've, they've sort of introduced them to this injection and the immune response. Uh, then they actually just gave them an, an injection of dextrose. So just sugar water, no traces of a virus. And interestingly enough, what they found was the same exact type of immune activation happened uh, when they just introduced the sugar water as when they introduced the virus. Now, the reason that they talk about, and there's some later papers that get into things called uh, like limbic kindling, is that um, the theory, the working hypothesis is that the brain has an uncanny ability to learn from past experiences in order to protect us in the future. And you may have heard the saying, uh, neurons that fire together wire together. So it's basically coupling together bits of information um, to make things more efficient and to use that information to deploy a certain response in the, in the future. So for instance, one thing that's, that's really common that we see in, in Reorigin, which is a, a program uh, that I put together to help people learn how to do some of this brain retraining if they're in those chronic type of conditions. Um, but one of the things you know that, that we see a lot is that sometimes, uh, a person might be, you know, get over a cold or a flu or COVID and, and start to feel better. And symptoms or things that mimic certain symptoms might come back. And that can lead to a re-triggering of a lot of other <laughs> symptoms. So to give you one concrete example, um, I actually even experienced this myself not too long ago when I came down with COVID. Um, I had a lot of lung pain when I took deep breaths. It was, um, you know, hard to expand my chest and I, I just felt a lot of restriction there. Um, but eventually I got over it very fortunately. But some months later, um, I went surfing. And um, when you're surfing, you are both lying on your chest. So you're putting a lot of pressure on, on that area, on the muscles there. And you're in this arched back position. So you're stretching the chest at the same time. And for a few days after, I started to actually feel some of those flu-like symptoms that I had felt when I was experiencing the, the COVID. And according to this limbic kindling hypothesis and how the brain couples information together, what may have been happening there is that a region of the brain called the, the insula, which is responsible for interpreting internal bodily signals, so pain or muscle soreness or whatever it might be, um, had basically associated the feeling of this pain in the chest, even though now it had nothing to do with an infection, um, but it associated that pain in the chest with a certain immune reaction. The same way the, the brains of those rats had associated the act of getting an injection with the immune response. So this is something that we're seeing more and more, you know, people are 
exposed to little things that might catalyze or basically remind a region of the brain called the limbic system of a certain past experience. And in virtue of that um, past programming, the brain now or the, the nervous system now essentially deploys all of these inflammatory processes um, in order to do what it thinks is the right thing, which is fighting off this infection, even though the infection may no longer be present and the reason you're feeling symptoms are completely different. So um, this can cause what's known as a, you know, a inflammatory loop or self-perpetuating inflammatory type of condition. And um, this is where it gets hopeful. That's just a little bit of an explanation. But the hopeful part is that knowing what we know, uh, the same way that the brain can learn to stay stuck in these loops, it can also unlearn these processes. The same way it can be conditioned, we know that there is something called deconditioning that we can actually do ourselves. Yeah, and I love that. I remember taking a neuro class in, in school and it was just all over my head. <laughs> so those of you who know the brain like you do, um, props to you because it's too complicated for my head to think about it. But the idea that once it's there, I can change that. That's hope. Whether it be like I'm really big with money mindset right now and changing our money story, there's no different. Changing our money narrative, changing our health narrative is what you specialize in. So if we were to walk through, say, like the first step of rewiring your brain, what is it? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think you, you just brought up a really important important thing, which is often overlooked when it comes to things like health, which is mindset. Um, because I think it's so easy to to associate mindset with just positive thinking or something sort of flowery that doesn't really have a scientific basis. But we know that your thoughts create certain chemical reactions. And we know that whenever you're feeling something in the body, it's not only a response to what's happening, it's actually a response in part to what you anticipate will happen. And just to give an example anyone can relate to, if you anticipate having a negative event or outcome, let's say you're anticipating or ruminating on you know, a conversation that, that you have, a difficult conversation that you have to have or that you had in the past, um, you know that this will actually release, trigger the release of inflammatory uh, chemicals, things like adrenaline, epinephrine, as if it's actually happening now. And conversely, if you, let's say ruminate, it might not be the right word, but if you, you know, think deeply positive thoughts, or even think about something like your favorite food, um, your body will start to deploy different enzymes and uh, initiate. And already, like my mouth's pod. already salivating. I'm, <laughs> right, I'm hungry of, right now. You talk about food. I'm like, oh, I'm hungry. <laughs> watermelon is what came to mind. And so I'm like, yeah, okay. So if anyone tries that, you can feel that salivary response, um, even though the food isn't there. So this is known as um, an anticipatory response. And um, it can shift our physiology and it can shift us in ways that are, um, toward like guiding us toward homeostasis and uh, you know the parasympathetic place where the body can be optimized for healing or it can be transitioning to us like in that first you know scenario uh, you know the negative story into a state of of feeling like we're under threat like fight or flight and we know that when we're in that state of chronic threat elevation of chronic fight or flight that the body's key resources are sort of allocated away from things like healing and recovery and digestion and procreation and they are replaced onto what the brain has deemed as these much more pertinent things to focus on which is getting us out of danger even though the danger is not actually life-threatening 
And in some way, this is very much what we believe is happening when it comes to these vicious cycle types of chronic conditions, where during the time, the acute phase, the brain has classified the symptoms as life-threatening. And maybe they were, maybe they weren't, but oftentimes what happens is that acute phase passes, but the brain retains that same information. There was even an article in uh, Scientific American several months back called The Brain Has a Special Kind of Memory for Past Infections. And so what we think is happening here is that when someone experiences these, these symptoms, the brain is sort of responding as if they're life-threatening. And so part of the work with the brain retraining is really aimed at reprocessing those signals from within the body or sort of re-educating the brain so that it can move those sensations from the, the threat folder, where it currently may have them classified, into the other folder that says basically these are not threatening. So sure, they might be unpleasant, they might be undesired, but they're not life-threatening. And for that reason, we don't need to initiate this inflammatory cascade um, that's going to divert all of the body's energy and resources toward fighting this, this thing that th it thinks is there. And we can actually avail all of these resources um, so that the body can resume its natural self-healing functions. Yeah, it makes so much sense because I've heard so many people say, well, you know, I was diagnosed with Epstein-Barr virus at 18. I'm 46 now. And I've, I have those moments where it's like I'm, I'm back in those shoes. I'm back feeling the fatigue and yet the test always comes back negative. Yeah. So that could be the, this was the put in the folder of, Hey, this is a really acute issue right now. 30 years down the road, the brain is still having, still has it in that folder. And what you're doing in, in your origin program is taking that content in the one folder and putting it into another folder. Exactly right. Yeah. So we, we basically teach okay. people to, number one, um, understand what's going on, that there is a process here. Um, for a lot of people, they find that even before they start getting to the brain retraining exercise portion of the program, simply having this understanding of how the brain and, and nervous system kind of work already alleviates some of that anxiety because maybe up until that point, they've tried a lot of different things and gotten more confused. And once they realize that there's a, a mechanism at play and also a solution or things that you can do, um, now they start to breathe a sigh of, of release. The nervous system can already start to relax. So the next thing is, now what do you do about it? And here's where we have you know, a series of exercises that walk people through identifying what are some of the things that might be triggering that stress response. And then we actually have them work through those things using a process of somatic experiencing, something also known as PRT or pain reprocessing therapy, but basically uh, you know, a series of different techniques um, that include movement, changing your breathing patterns, changing your body language, all of this aimed at signaling back a new message to the limbic system, which is, is part of the brain that's responsible for threat detection and response, and basically moving those things into the non-threatening folder. And when your brain gets the message that these symptoms, well, again, unpleasant, are not necessarily life-threatening, now it can actually remain calm in their presence. And I know this is where people at first get a little confused, like, wait a minute, don't I want to 
get rid of these symptoms? Don't I want to push them away? Um, why am I, why are you teaching me to, to relax in their presence? And the first step, of course, is that, you know, the theory holds here that what you resist persists. So when we are pushing away something, that's to say, when we're really resisting or fighting against symptoms, um, one of the things that we're doing is we're increasing our internal level of agitation. We're increasing the release of stress hormones. Um, and this can cycle back around via this sort of vicious cycle to actually make those symptoms worse. So it's sort of like, you know, increases in adrenaline lead to more symptoms, which trigger that fight or flight response, which lead to more adrenaline, more symptoms, and round and round it goes. And so what we want to do is teach people how to break into that cycle and to introduce a new response. And that new response is one of relaxation. It's one of acceptance. It's one of making yourself feel comfortable and safe in the presence of these sensations. And by not doing this one time, but by practicing this repeatedly, you're actually changing your brain's neural pathways. You're changing those old uh, you know, neurons that fired together and wired together into new wirings, into new pathways that can allow you to actually default to this calm state where your body is optimized to self-heal. So you have recognize it and then retrain from the first moment how you respond to it. So staying calm when your brain's like, woo, don't go crazy. This is an alarm going off. Your ability to stay calm and is the first step. Is that what I'm understanding? Exactly. Okay. And then additionally, you know, anything that we can do to help calm the nervous system and elevate mood, um, not only for the reason that it's, it's good to be in a good mood, but also because it actually shifts our brain chemistry in a favorable direction. Um, those are also going to so be- You're saying like that... sympathetic state into a parasympathetic state. Exactly. From a neurological standpoint, that's what you're doing, going from fight or flight to rest and digest in that moment. Exactly right. Okay. And we want to really focus on two aspects of it. One of them is being able to make that shift in the moment. Um, so this would be something like, you know, breathing, anyone could do, you know, a series of, of breathing exercises, or even 10 seconds of deep breathing. And we know that that will have a positive impact on transitioning from that sympathetic fight or flight state into a more parasympathetic state. But what we're even more interested in with the reorigin approach is preventing the arousal of that stress response in the first place. And in order to do that, we have to kind of go back to what catalyzed that wiring up in the first place and, um, and how can we change that wiring so that the brain no longer associates the symptom or the negative thought or feeling or story or rumination or whatever it might be with that arousal of the stress response. That's cool. Uh, I just have a quick question for you. It might be off topic. You might know nothing about it. How do you feel about EFT tapping? EFT is great. So yeah, you know, for anyone listening, it's the emotional freedom technique or basically tapping on, uh, I guess it has to do with polyvagal theory that, you know, we have this, um, you know, a lot you know more than I do about it. <laughs> yeah. It's essentially, you know, it's, it's a, a way to calm the nervous system. Um, and first, like we know that touch is great. So that for this reason, things like massage, you know, either from someone else or even like self massage, touching your face, parts of your skin are, um, you know, very soothing. And we actually do some of these things, including like some of the, the tapping things, um, almost intuitively. So there are these 
from my understanding, some different points, you know, on the face and different parts of the body um, that are part of the acupuncture system. Uh, and if you tap on these these points, it will actually stimulate that parasympathetic response that we're talking about, which is that calming rest and digest state. And one of the things we do naturally when we're stressed is we put our hands up over our face and we rub, you know, our eyes or our eyebrows. Uh -huh. And I've like done that multiple times now. Can you tell <laughs> I'm stressed? <laughs> yeah. Likewise, it's, you know, kind of my go-to. Um, but it's interesting that we gravitate toward, you know, things like that naturally because it is an attempt to, to calm us down and, um, it actually does have that effect. So yeah, th those things, insofar as reorigin, we actually just had someone come and present on, on EFT, uh, for our community. Cool. Um, and this would be sort of in the category of, of a toolkit that can, or, or exercises that can help to calm the nervous system. Yeah. I, I just had that thought as you were saying, like calming, and I've heard, I mean, I, like I said, you know, way more about it than I do. I just know that it it's there and it exists. Um, I'll have to get an EFT tapping person on here at some point, but as, as far as audio, I don't know how you could teach that from an audio perspective. Visual, I think is, is I think the visual is a better route. <laughs> yeah. All right. So cool. Um, so where can people learn more about this reorigin program? Yeah. So if this is resonating, you know, with anyone, if you're finding yourself in one of these inflammatory conditions, that's confusing and feeling stuck. I just want to first and foremost, assure you that, uh, you're not stuck. Your brain and body are constantly changing. And the premise of neuroplasticity is that your brain has this ability to change from the day you're born until the day you die. So, so there's a lot that can be done here. And um, if you're interested in learning more about the Reorigin program, well, you can find that at re-origin.com. Um, you can also check out our uh, YouTube channel, which is just Reorigin, or on Instagram at Reorigin underscore official. So re-origin.com, Instagram at reorigin underscore official. Then YouTube was re-origin. Now you guys, I'm assuming work remotely too, right? We do. Yes. So the whole program is uh, virtual and the community as well. Everything is accessible in a web browser or through a mobile app. And then we also do have small group coachings that we do over Zoom. Cool. All right, guys, go check it out. Nurreorigin.com. Do you, Ben, do you guys train practitioners? Can practitioners do the program so they know for their patients? Like from a practitioner standpoint, is it something that they should be interested in? Yeah, that's a really great question. We've had a lot of requests just in the last couple of months for uh, starting a practitioner training program. So at this point, we don't have that yet, but it's definitely something I'm looking to start in the future. Cool. Yeah, because a lot of practitioners listen to this and I think knowing several of them have experienced something like it, whether it be chronic Lyme disease or mm -hmm. chronic Epstein-Barr virus or chronic bacterial infections, whatever the case may be. But I know a lot of their patients do too. So if you're thinking, you know, maybe you don't want to become the expert in this, but you could tag team the reorigin program with your current treatment plan, that could bring some powerful results when you're combining the physical with the retraining of the brain. Absolutely. Yeah, so take a look at that. Yeah. re-origin.com and ben is here with us talking about that so once again re-origin.com now ben real fast last question if you were to lose all of your practice everything you've ever done besides the brain the knowledge in your head and you had to start building a practice from scratch what would you do <laughs> i like that question um i've actually thought about that often in the way of like, what if I washed up on shore in some brand new place, right? Like, um, 
ultimately, I, I don't think I would be able to help but start doing the same thing. You know, obviously, I would have to start from from scratch. But uh, I think really my um, my passion, my knowledge, and my past experience would just have me almost involuntarily start to create the same type of thing. So maybe working with people, doing coaching, and ultimately, you know, building it out probably into something that closely resembles what we have going on now. Yeah. What would you say is the most marketing, the most valuable marketing tool that you've used up to, to this point? Oh man, at the risk of sounding a little bit cliche, I would say authenticity. Um, I think in this day, day and age, doing live things like this, um, or, or, you know, recorded things like podcasts and YouTube videos. But, uh, first and foremost, I think in this day and age, the people's brains have a very finely tuned BS detector. And, um, the thing like that we want to, yes, detector, <laughs> the thing we want to, yes, this is a, this is an actual, uh, neuroscience term, by the way. Um, <laughs> the thing that we want to use to cut through that is really just talking directly to people like people, you know, um, when we do that, I've found that it really does drop the defenses, calm the nervous system and just, um, make make people and the speaker just more, um, accessible. So I think people want to have real conversations with real yeah. people and yeah, that's what I would recommend to anyone who's looking to put forth any sort of message. And when you're thinking about messaging, people want to know how much you care before they want to know how much, you know, Yep. So care it. first, care then first, share your knowledge. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Ben. Again, you can go find the re origin program at re dash that's R E dash origin o-r-i-g-i-n dot com thanks once again ben and he is a walking testimonial of how this retraining of the brain can completely change your life from bedridden for multiple years to now he's helping others overcome crazy chronic symptoms as well so thanks again ben thanks kylie Wasn't that just so good? Loaded with tons of information, just as this podcast has been the entire time. If you're new here, welcome. If you've been around for a while, I love it. Thank you for your support. I would be so grateful if the newbies and the oldies would leave a review on their favorite podcast listening app. Take a screenshot of that review and email it to my team. We've got some goodies coming out to you if you do that. My team's email is drkylieteam at gmail.com. If you're a practitioner and you do not have a thriving virtual practice yet, you need one. Now is the year. Now is your year. Don't let another thing get thrown at us by this world and take you down. Let's future-proof your practice. Let's get you creating and living and thriving in a practice that you love, that provides you with more time freedom, more energy, and location freedom, and financial freedom too. We will be doing just this in two days in Orlando, Florida at the Wyndham Grand Resort. Grab your ticket at drkylieburton.com slash in dash this dash together dash live. There are 200 seats for the in-person event and you can attend there. You can attend virtually wherever you are in the world. Why? Because I'm here to help you. If you're not a practitioner, I'm going to help you too. I've got a book out on Amazon called Why Are My Labs Normal? If you haven't grabbed it yet, go grab it and learn how to read your blood work a better way to never have to rely on anybody else again. And that's a wrap. I'll see you on the next episode.